0: Markham, Richmond Hill, Vaughn. From everywhere you are. Aurora, Newmarket, East Willimberry. This is The Feed. Georgina, King, Whitchurch, Stovall. The Feed is York Region's only news magazine dedicated to the issues, events, and stories that matter to the people that live and work here.
1: I'm Ann Romer, this is The Feed. Four police officers killed in a span of one month here in this province. Three by gunfire, one in a deadly car crash all respected by their fellow officers, all loved by family and friends, all cherished by their communities. September 21st, the funeral for Toronto Police Constable Andrew Hong. September 22nd, the funeral for York Regional Police Constable Travis Gillespie. And just this past Thursday, the funerals for South Simcoe Police Constables Morgan Russell and Devin Northrup. How can we possibly understand the tremendous loss felt by the men and women who risk their lives every day to serve and protect? And what about we, the community, who look to these brave and dedicated police officers to keep us safe? Mark Saunders is a former police officer who served as chief of the Toronto Police Service from 2015 until 2020. He joins us now on the feed. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. I know that this is a very difficult time.
2: Oh, yeah, no problem, man. None at
1: all. The reaction from, from your perspective when you heard about Constable Andrew Hong and then the death of the York Regional Police Officer Travis Gillespie and then, most recently, the gunning down of South Simcoe Police Constables Morgan Russell and Devin Northrup, four officers within a four-week period, what went through your mind? <laughs>
2: Well, you know, first, it was just such a a real reminder of of the danger that the the men and women in law enforcement put themselves through each and every day. It takes a special type of individual, first off, to to join policing. But then when we actually look at what they have to do for a living and the danger that they put themselves in, uh, every time there's a loss of of law enforcement, it it is just a real staunch reminder uh, of what they have uh, you know, the calling that they've assigned themselves to.
1: And what is it that draws you and, and drew you and, and draws people to this line of work? What is it that compels an individual to proudly wear the badge?
2: Well, beyond everything else, first and foremost, it, it is to serve. Um, these are people that, that want to uh, do anything they can to help make communities uh, thrive and be successful and, and to be safe. And every day when you go to work and you say to yourself, you know, what have I done to contribute in keeping, uh, you know, the communities that you serve uh, better than it was the, the day before? And, and really it is serving. It really is a calling. It, it, it's not a job for those folks that, uh, in any way, that, that join policing.
1: Mark Saunders, when there is the death of a police officer in the line of duty or any type of, of situation, what happens within the force itself what how do the officers react themselves and with each other
2: well you know again it it boils down to that service piece and 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 everybody uh joins to want to make the world a better place but when you lose one of your brothers or sisters in 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 law enforcement uh, it hit hard it hits really hard Um, you, you take those shoulder patches off it doesn't matter where you're from um, every type of police call, uh, whether it's a disturbance call or an unknown trouble call, um, you get to, in your own head, uh, think about the calls that you have gone to where things could have gone sideways and you are fortunate enough to, to, uh, make it through. And so it's a reminder to everybody that this can happen. We're talking about nanoseconds where things, uh, go from zero to a million. And, and so, uh, internally. It it hurts because you you think of the loss of of life uh, to a person that's served, um, but it also affects family, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, parents, um, and and, and to civilians as well. It's not just the front line. Uh, Those call takers that that, uh, uh, go through a a tremendous amount of stress, especially through these types of calls, uh, they have to relive it too. So it's it really does cascade in so many different levels. And we're grateful now in law enforcement that it's recognized that the supports are are equally important to not just what you do, but it's once you've done and, and if the outcomes are negative or positive, are there the proper supports to help each and every member of the organizations? And we're in a better place right now in, in, in 2022 than, than law enforcement ever has been.
1: And what are the supports that are available to the officers?
2: Well, you, you've got the uh, the employment family associate um, uh, assistance programs uh, that deal with, you know, a plethora of different types of resources, whether it's psychological, um, whether it's um, um, financial, uh, the associations are play an intricate part as, as well, too, in assisting. It's not just uh, for, um, you know, uh, short-term, long-term, too. Uh, policing families uh, always want to help. Uh, as, as as best as they can and it's continuous. it's not just for short periods of time.
1: I was struck by the the show of support from officers from around North America and I think back to Toronto police Constable Andrew Hong's funeral on September the 21st and this will it's happened again just this past Thursday with the funerals for the two South Simcoe police officers. Does it make a difference to see that kind of show of support from officers near and far?
2: Oh, tremendously. Um, you know, when, as I stated before, there is a very strong commonality. Every frontline officer uh, in, in their heads, they know that they go to these types of calls, and, and it's, you know, by that uh, they're able to um, be able to walk out of the calls um, uninjured most of the time or no loss of life. But it does happen, and and that's what happens when you have these types of uh, interactions. And the reason why it's so big is because when you take North America as a whole, I remember going to different conferences at, at the executive level, it's every three days a law enforcement officer loses his or her life in North America. Every three days. Now, granted, you know, Canada has been a lot better but we're not immune to it. And and, and here's a classic example. Uh, you look at the types of calls that have occurred or the types of situations that have caused a loss of life. We're not, um, you know, we're not excluded from this. We're yeah. we're included. And right now it, it's hit a lot harder, um, but it provides great opportunities for looking at, and, and, you know, looking at all of these situations and, and looking at things that, that can be done to help improve uh, the outcomes, whether um, it, it's any kind of training that can happen, whether it's any kind of tools or assistance that uh, can occur uh, to help reduce that. Uh, but right now, it, it, it's hurting. You know, from the officers that I spoke to, it's hurting because of the occurrences that have been occurring over the past very short period of time and in, in, in the Uh, this particular region of the country.
1: Is there ever a moment when an officer, after the tragedies that we've seen in the past month, where they think, I'm not sure that I can go forward now as an officer. I don't think I can continue to wear the badge.
2: Well, you know, I I can't speak for everyone. I I can't speak for the vast majority um, of everybody when, when it comes to these types of calls or these types of moments. It heightens your understanding of who you are and the role that you play within the the communities. Um, It creates a stronger bond between uh, the brothers and sisters and law enforcement. But most of them have the desire to want to help. Uh, Absolute strangers, even people that don't like them, um, they still will come to that call. They'll still show up at your door, no matter who you are to help. That's what the programming is all about. Um, But it, it... doesn't mean that you're not going to feel hurt um, or, or nervous or, in, in fact, a little bit scared. Um, but the programs that are out there right now are, are incredibly robust. And, and uh, as as supervisors, you hope that you do spend the time to make sure that uh, your folks that are hurting uh, do get that help. Um, but, but right now, it, it's it's about celebrating uh, you know the lives of these men and women who, who have done phenomenal things uh, while they were here, Uh, And and that's what they're to be remembered for.
1: The mayor of Innisfil not long ago said how closely ingrained and and entrenched in the community the two South Simcoe police constables were, Morgan Russell and Devin Northrup. Let's talk about the community and how it is hurting And in each and every one of these losses. uh, the, The community is affected in a way that we may understand or we may not even recognize.
2: Yeah, no, it it, it hurts community, too. And it doesn't matter how big or how small. Uh, Granted, you know, the smaller communities, it is definitely more personal, uh, and the feelings can be more um, um, exposed, and people can see it more. But, you know, in the larger cities as well, Toronto, a lot of members of the community uh, feel hurt, too. Don't forget uh, the men and women who join law enforcement have family members uh, who are uh, involved in law enforcement, sworn in civilians. So um, there are so many different reasons why people uh, may have that hurt. And, um, and you know, uh, both uh, a lot of the cities build that resilience to, to stay strong and, and to move forward and, and to try to, you know, do the very best that that, that can be done under the circumstance.
1: And speaking of moving forward, how do these forces, Toronto Police, York Regional Police, South Simcoe Police, how do they move forward from this?
2: Uh, First and foremost, by by remembering um, uh, the officers for the service that they've done uh, while they were here. Um, the fact that they were heroes and, and the fact that, you know, every day these heroes in uniform go out there and put their best foot forward to, to help to keep communities safe. I, I mean, that's just in the DNA of law enforcement. And, you know, we're so fortunate to have people from uh, the various communities that step up and, and do join law enforcement. And, and, and so uh, I've always said uh, the, the way in which everyone can, can really help is to remember uh, the great things that have been done to, uh, to, uh, while they're alive and, 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 you know, the men and women that are out there, it doesn't hurt every now and then to say thank you, and it, it goes such a long way, and um, the folks don't do it because they want the thank yous, but it, it certainly does help, especially in times like this right now where, where you know, people are a little bit um, uh, more uh, hurt by what's going on.
1: Mark Saunders, former police officer, served as chief of the Toronto Police Service from 2015 to 2020. I thank you so much for your very sensitive uh, thoughts and and observations when it comes to this really difficult time for so many people in so many places here in Ontario. Thank you for joining us on the feed.
2: Thanks, Anne. It was great uh, talking with you.
1: When we come back, getting out the vote.
0: Do you have a story idea for the feed? Call us at 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer and more of the feed coming up. This is 1059 The Region.
1: Welcome back to The Feed. The municipal election is on Monday. This level of government that your vote will help to choose, mayor, city or town council, and school board trustee, is considered by many the most important when it comes to your everyday wants and needs as a city or town resident, homeowner, or renter. Joining us now with his thoughts on the importance of this upcoming municipal election is political commentator, broadcaster, and host of the LaDrew three-minute interview, Stephen LaDrew. Stephen, so great to be with you again. I have missed working with you. I've got to admit that.
3: Well, <laughs> I don't think you should admit that. In polite, speech, yeah. <laughs> you're so funny, and you. T- it's lovely to be on air with you. And
1: yes. you always tell it like it is. So let's talk about the municipal election. It is on Monday, the twenty fourth of October. What is the importance of the municipal vote? Why is it important? This particular level of politics.
3: It used to be very much a secondary level of politics, and people thought that provincial and federal politics were more important, but I'll, I can best explain it by talking about an old friend of mine whose name is Ovid Jackson, and he started out as a councillor and then the mayor of Owen Sound, lovely community in Ontario, and um, and then he became a liberal member of parliament in John Kretchen's government in the 90s. And he used to tell this anecdote. He said, Stephen, when I first became a councillor, in Owen Sound, and I'd walk down the street, or I'd go to a school, and people would say, oh, Mr. Counselor, Mr. Counselor, and they were full of respect. And he said, then I decided to take it one step further, I became the mayor. I loved being mayor, and I would go to schools and to churches and synagogues, and I'd talk to people in the street, and they'd say, Mr. Mayor, this, Mr. Mayor, that. And then I took it another level, I thought, at the time, and I became a member of parliament, I liked going to Ottawa. I'd come back to my constituency, and I'd walk down the street, and people would say, hey, you!
4: <laughs> and, and he
3: said, that explains it all. And I think it does. And the the mayor and counselor of your city, town, Hamlet, municipality, whatever it is, has a greater impact on a person's life than certainly an MPP or an MP. I mean, it depends on... whether you are looking at your roads being plowed, your sewers running properly, getting clean water into your house, um, the schools functioning, all those things, civility on the street, whether the police are doing their jobs, those are matters of municipal jurisdiction. And so from your time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night, and your sleeping time as well, most of it is impacted by your mayor and councillor doing their jobs well, as opposed to your MPP or your uh, member of parliament doing their jobs. So it's a, it's the most important election that you've ever voted in.
1: And why is it essential that the voter exercise his or her right to vote, number one, at any level, but in this case the municipal level, and also understand who's running and for what level mayor or uh for town or city council or school trustee a lot of people know nothing about that particular position
3: well you're absolutely right and trustees in particular and uh have been ignored for years and years and years and now they are uh, at the forefront because a number of people and parents are reading about how the schools are being run they don't agree with the way schools are run Years ago, public schools were the most uh, popular school around. And now, more and more parents are looking for private schools, and they're making great sacrifices to send their kids to private schools because they say the public schools are not teaching their kids properly or well or that the teachers' union is running things. So, above all, uh, the school boards are of critical importance. And, And as I said before, people ignored them. Now they're saying... Well, holy cow, we've hmm. been suffering as a result of ignoring what the school trustees are doing and uh, letting a bunch of uh, bureaucrats run things, and we want greater control. The same with municipalities. Uh, for generations, the bureaucrats ran things, and uh, the mayors and counselors were just the titular heads, people to give nice speeches and, and you know, cut ribbons. Um, but now uh, people are saying, we want some real effective management of the huge sums of money that councillors and that uh, the cities uh, spend. And, you know, as I said, whether it's just on your sidewalks, your roads, your sewers, your clean water, or on on bigger subjects like in in Toronto right now where they still have the uh, multi-billion dollar expansion of public transit. And in Mississauga and other municipalities, it's a huge deal. Has to run well, and um, people are looking for accountability for their uh, for their dollars, and that's why I think that not only could I argue that's the most important election uh, going. I think that number of people are arguing that as well, and saying get out there and vote. And uh, mm-hmm. in the last election, of course, I don't know it's going to be like this election, but in the last election, more and more people are getting out there and understanding that if we don't vote. To put good people in power in, then we're going to uh, have a bunch of second-rate people in power, which means... We got second rate
1: service. You know, it's interesting. Power to the people—that's a phrase that you and I know well because of our age, and we grew up with that that expression. But also, I'm far more older than you. <laughs> no, hardly. Uh, and we talk about power and and the additional powers that granted by the Ontario government to certain mayors uh, in certain cities in Ontario. Can mm-hmm. is that a double edged sword? Do you think?
3: Oh, sorry, is it
1: a what? A double edged sword? Do you think there's some good and some well, I, bad when it comes well, to that? I, I
3: think it is. I think it is. You're absolutely right, Ann, because if the mayor is someone you agree with and you agree is doing a good job, then you want that mayor to be able to use powers untrammeled by your know, counselors questioning. However, if you have a mayor who is. Um, let me just show my bias here, a left-wing wacko, then you don't want that mayor to have a lot of powers because you don't want that mayor to be spending a lot of your hard-earned tax dollars on projects or things that you don't agree with. And so it is absolutely a double-edged sword. It means that um, if the person is in power who you agree with, great. If you don't agree with them, then uh, it's uh, troublesome. So... I, and you and I have seen this before, and it's, as is often the case in politics, it's a matter of um, of uh, good judgment. It's a matter of checks and balances, and whether the the mayor is um, is good or bad in your view, or left or right, or whatever politics you are, it's nice to have some sort of checks and balances yeah. on his or her power, so that there's fair debate and that councillors get a chance to question and to ask questions on behalf of constituents and get the answers and let the constituents then decide, as opposed to having uh, a mayor with untrammeled power um, who can uh, call all the shots. And we don't, we don't have that, even with the strong mayor system that the provincial government brought in for certain mayors, as you say, Toronto and Ottawa. Um, there's still going to be a council, and there's still going to be radio shows, which uh, have politicians on, to question the decisions that they're taking, to let people know what's going on and, uh, and how their money is being spent.
1: I think of high-profile people who've moved from one level of government to another, Pat- Patrick Brown, uh, Jim Watson, and people who are running in this particular race, this municipal election, Andrea Horvath, Stephen Del Duca, Deb Schultz. You ran for mayor of Toronto in 2006. Why (laughs) did you do that?
3: (laughs) Uh, A number of us um, were interested in in politics and good government. And David Miller, a very left-wing person, was mayor of the city of Toronto at the time. A number of us thought that he was doing a really stinky job. And so we said, somewhere has got to run. And I got the short straw. Uh, I said, you know, I'm going to run. I'm not going to win, but I'm running simply to provoke debate because the mayor otherwise is going to have a very easy one. And it's, it's true, Ann, because after the first televised debate, David Miller, who was a person I, I liked very much, he turned to me and said, Stephen, why are you doing this? I said, David, because you're doing a, well, I'll change the word, yeah, a crappy job. <laughs> and he said, he says, I'm doing a great job as mayor. And I said, that's why I'm running, because I disagree that you're doing a great job as mayor. And uh, so we had public debate. I got several thousand votes, but it was mainly to be out there to go toe to toe with David Miller and to say, you can do better. And the people of Toronto deserve better. And so it was an expensive uh, project, but it was one that I enjoy. And I just say, I had full admiration for anybody who uh, puts their name on a ballot. And uh, and Anne, I know that you've always been involved and interested in politics. To put your name on a ballot is a big deal. And um, you attract good and bad, and uh, you get you know, subject to a lot of commentary. But I did it because I just thought that, that David should sharpen up his, uh, his game a bit. and uh, yeah, And he did.
1: Final question. You and I, as co-anchors at CP24, uh, for the election coverage numerous times, we said to the audience, we said to our followers, we said, uh, you know, it's understood that your vote counts. Do you really believe that, Stephen? Does your vote count?
3: Absolutely. And there are many, many examples of where it's the case. One that just comes immediately to uh, mind was a member of Parliament, the federal cabinet minister in the... 80s, Lauren Catholic, and uh, he was the liberal parliament for Pickering, if I recall correctly. And we used to call him Landslide Catholic <laughs> because he won by seven votes. Like, out of, I don't know how many at that time, but say 30,000 votes, he won by seven. And there's been many cases where a person wins office by one or two votes. So um, you can look at it and say, well, there's 30,000 votes being cast, or in in other elections, millions, for instance, in Toronto being cast, it could come down to one vote. So, it's important that everybody get out there and vote, because your vote could be the decision-making vote.
1: On that note, my friend, fellow broadcaster and host of the LaDrew three-minute interview, Stephen LaDrew, thank you for being with us on the feed. This was great.
3: Always a pleasure, and You're a wonderful broadcaster. See you later.
1: <laughs> As are you. Thanks. Cheers.
4: I'm Tina Cortez. Our next story is about getting young people to exercise their democratic right to vote. Samantha Roosh is the executive director at Apathy is Boring. Samantha, tell us about Apathy is Boring and your role.
5: So Apathy is Boring is a youth led nonpartisan organization and what we do is we focus on engaging young people in Canada's democracy. And I'm the executive director.
4: And what exactly do you do as executive director?
5: So my role is effectively to oversee all of our activities. So we have year-round programming through our Build and Rise program. but we also do both vote, uh, voter engagement campaigns that pop up during elections. Um, and so we kind of like to mix our programming with some of the deeper interventions that we do in communities and also um, with sort of lighter touch, broader reach voter um, mobilization work.
4: Well, our municipal election is just around the corner. It's on Monday. What is the Vote Program, and how does it encourage young people to vote?
5: Well, we know that a lot of the barriers that young people face um, when it comes to elections are are largely motivational in nature. So what we mean by that is a lot of young people feel that politicians don't care about them. Um, they feel like they don't sufficiently understand the electoral system or that they don't know enough to vote. Um, so we really focus on two things primarily. We focus on informing young voters, so making sure they know where, when, and ways the ways that they can vote, um, whatever the ballot process is. But also, um, you know, who the candidates are, uh, what what they stand for, what issues are on the ballot, different levels of government focus on different. Um, different issues and might have different um, tools in their tool belt in order to address them. So that's important to consider when you're voting. Um, but we also look to inspire you, so get them to think about the issues that matter to them and connect those issues to the election um, that's currently um,
4: happening. And what are you hearing from young people? Did they get the value, especially of the municipal vote, and, and how much it means? Municipal
5: elections are actually quite tricky because we we actually see that when it comes to trust, in in institutions. Young people have the most trust with their municipal government. Um, However, municipal elections tend to have the lowest turnout rates. So it's one of those funny um, sort of paradoxes. But what we do try and say is that, or try and make sure that they're aware of, is that your municipal government actually has the most direct impact on your day-to-day experience of your city, of your life. You know, you're walking down the street, it's your municipal government that makes the decisions that make that street. A nice place to be, or um, you know, has a say on what businesses can be on your street, or when your garbage pickup is, and all of these things that you know we kind of can take for granted. Um, but we do hear that, yeah, young people are um, aren't as likely to understand that they're not as likely to connect the the dots when it comes to municipal governments, and I have a feeling that sometimes it has to do with the way that we consume media as well and and kind of the lack of resources that we often see when it comes to covering municipal issues and municipal politics. So um, I do think there has to be a bit of a special and and, and different effort made at the municipal level to, to get them to connect those dots.
4: What should they be doing to connect the dots, to really connect with young people and get them out to vote?
5: I think when it comes to an election campaign, it's really important to not just be communicating about promises um, of the fu- about the future, but also to connect um, and and kind of plug into those narratives um, that happen between elections. And so the work can't start with an election campaign. If you want to make a relationship or relationships with young people in your community, that has to be a concerted and ongoing effort. There has to be communication strategies in place, and you have to make an effort to meet people where they're at. So that's not just you know kind of showing up at a community event. It can mean you know digital communications and, and focusing on getting the word out through social media for example but it also mean understanding that people bring different levels of, of knowledge and skills when it comes to participating uh, at the municipal level and that we need to be doing a better effort to communicate that and, and show in good faith that we do actually want people to participate
4: What kinds of interactions happen between politicians and your organization?
5: Well, like I said, as a nonpartisan organization, um we don't uh, campaign, obviously on behalf of any party or elected representative. Um, we really are focused on being a neutral space for young people to come to feel like they can get um, information from trusted sources and that there's no agenda behind it. So, um when it comes to us working with you know political institutions, we're there to make recommendations. we feel it's important to acknowledge the systemic and institutional barriers that young people face when it comes to participation, but we're not looking to get any particular government elected.
4: What's your message to young people just ahead of Monday's vote?
5: I know that it can be really, really challenging, um, especially if you live in a city um, where maybe you've had the same mayor or same city councilor for 20 years, 20-plus 20 years in some cases, but I think I'm always reminded when I do interviews like this that you know, people are really paying attention to the number of young people that turn out. And even if you don't feel like you can have, um, that your vote will make an impact in the direct outcome of this election, it's really important to demonstrate that young people are paying attention. And so you can send a message through your vote, you can demonstrate that young people are paying attention and start to rebuild some of that disconnect that exists between elected representatives and candidates and young people in your community.
4: If our listeners want more information about Apathy is Boring, how can they connect?
5: You can find us uh, at our website, which is www.apathyisboring.com, or you can reach us on social media at Apathy is Boring. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you uh, you, uh, like to uh, be on social media
1: polls are open from 10 until 8 p.m. for a full list of York region candidates go to our website 1059theregion.com after the break we are celebrating the holidays
0: follow us on twitter at 1059theregion and romer and more of the feed after the break this is 1059 the region
1: Welcome back to The Feed. I'm Ann Romer. The holidays are here, and we begin with Diwali on Monday. Glyn Perkins with the celebrations and the traditions.
6: Thanks, Ann. Diwali is known as the Festival of Lights and is a Hindu, Sikh, and Jain festival that originated in India. Celebrations are being held Monday, and to tell us more, we are joined by Kidambi Raj from the Hindu Temple Society of Canada. Kidambi, welcome to the program.
7: Thank you. Glad to be here.
6: What does Diwali mean to you?
7: Diwali means it's a festival of lights, and the most significant thing about Diwali, or Diwali as we call, it, is because the light is considered as a source of knowledge, and the darkness symbolizes ignorance. So the light is sort of it gives us a thing towards acquiring knowledge, and that's why we light and worship it itself as a god because the god, the light represents god and knowledge and that's why we do that somebody may ask me once saying what do you mean light in the what does your light contain it's a little this clay dish or metal but you have oil and a wick and what is the difference we can have a switch a light on and electric light and it dispels darkness True, it dispels darkness, but there's a difference between that and our light because our lamp has two components: one is a wick, another is a ghee or oil a medium. And what, according to spirituality, means is the wick represents a human ego, and the oil represents the materialistic tendencies or of a human being. So, when you light the lamp, the wick eventually completely gone. So is the oil. So what it is, is the idea is behind this, we worship it because we slowly and gradually want our ego to go down and our materialistic tendencies and look for good knowledge and it goes up. And other important thing is light, when you lamp when you light it, the flames always go up. It symbolizes that we want our knowledge to grow, take us to the higher plane and like spirituality.
6: This is an important date for the South Asian community. What happens during Diwali? During Diwali,
7: what they do, of all ages and group participate, and they give expression to their happiness by lighting lamps, decorating the houses, bursting firecrackers, and inviting the near and dear ones to their house for taking part in consumption sumptuous meal. And the lighting of the lamp is a way of paying tribute to the God. And it's also a big shopping season, because we always buy new clothing for children, adults, everybody. And some people who are... But with more money, they buy big things like cars and some gold
6: jewellery and all that. Kidambi, Dawali is a time when family and friends get together. Whenever that happens, usually there's food. Is there a traditional dish?
7: There's no specific thing because it depends on the region where they live. They'll get all kinds of sweets and, as I said, sumptuous food. So they even exchange gifts to their neighbours, friends and all that with uh, dried fruits, sweets and any specialties that are familiar to that particular region. But here, of course, we have all kinds of sweets made at different restaurants and families also we make sweets and also savories like, uh, like crackers and stuff like that, which is tastier than regular simple crackers we buy in the store.
6: Diwali is on Monday, but how long do the celebrations last?
7: Normally, traditionally, it is supposed to be about three or four days. But generally, the most important day is that 24th in this case, which is no moon day. And that is the day because according to spirituality, Hindu religion, that is the day the goddess Lakshmi or goddess of wealth and prosperity which is supposed to have incarnated as in the earth. And that is an important day. This is not unique to Hindus. Some people think Diwali is Hindus. This particular day, Di day, Diwali day, is important for Sikhs, Jains, and Hindus. The reason being, the biggest temple, golden temple, is called in Amutsar, India. The foundation stone was laid on at the poverty day, And so that's why they read Sikhs. The same thing with, uh, you go for Jains. The very first saint or leader who found out that modern Jains religion, that's when the day he attained salvation or, or passed away. So they said we've be a pot day in their history.
6: Is there a greeting that one uses during Diwali? Uh, no, all we do is uh, wish you all the
7: best and prosperous years ahead. You see, Diwali also ends the season of harvest, ending season. So they want to have next year also a good
6: harvest and have good go more on. There. Kidambi Raj from the Hindu Temple Society of Canada. Thank you for telling us about Diwali here on the feed.
7: No problem. Thank you, sir.
1: Chaliza Backus is next with the Tricks or Treats.
8: We are already midway through October. Can't believe how fast time is flying by. And that means that spooky season is in full effect and Halloween is right around the corner. Now, if you want to know what candy is good, what the kids are loving right now, and just what to expect for this Halloween season, because it's been two years of uh, very weird times. And now it's kind of getting back into the swing of things. And we're definitely excited about that. And... It's been a difficult year, you know, we're looking at inflation, higher prices all over the place. So we want you to have the best Halloween and maybe the most budget friendly. So to tell me all about this, I am joined by Danny Boom, Head of Live Shopping from Showcase. How are you?
9: I'm great. So fun to be here and to tell everybody all about this spooky season and other seasons that will be coming up.
8: Yes, I love spooky season. This is honestly like one of my favorite times of year. And like I said, we are kind of on the other side of COVID. Not not really, but we can say that for now. There are definitely going to be a lot more kids out trick-or-treating this year. So first off, can you tell me what Halloween candy uh, from the top 10 list from Showcase, what do you think is the favorite of the year?
9: Oh my god well this is the funny thing is who's buying the candy first is it the kids or is it the moms and the dads right yeah i think what we're finding right now because we've just had some great statistics come through so here's something for you 86 percent of canadians who celebrate halloween are buying candy right now okay so the idea is is you buy early you get in early okay and you get the best deals and that's what you're going to find when you shop at showcase when you shop online or in store we've got a wide range of candy and the cool thing is what we're finding out of all of those people is that it's the retro candy that's making sort of like this really cool. I don't know if it's Stranger Things. I don't know if it's um, uh, where, where people are reminiscing. But all of a sudden you're seeing like Dots and Nerds and Sour Patch Kids. They're, they're reinventing themselves as like cool and trendy candy again. And they're coming out in different forms. So especially for spooky season and i'm sure something's going to be happening um for closer to the holidays as well where you're seeing like the sour patch kids are uh, zombies you're seeing dots are now ghosts you're seeing nerds that comes in note nerds rope nerds gum nerds um and, and, and it's just it's just every variation of retro candy is coming out and trying to be more seasonable more obviously it's the buyer so moms and dads are the other buyers, but then they're introducing it to the kids and then it's sort of like keeping the legacy going, which is great because they're rebranding as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But the big thing we're also noticing, and this is the craziest thing, is actually candy collectors. And I don't know if you've ever heard of a candy collector, but people are are on the lookout for those exclusive items, those things that you just can't find anywhere else. And the great thing is you can find those when you come to showcase. And like we've got this amazing Kit Kat bar right now. And Kit Kat are very good at Halloween. They always bring out a range of different test flavors. Um, we've got the Kit Kat Witches Brew and it's in a snack size. And you can actually get a basically a 9.8 ounce bag right now of these brilliant toil and trouble. I like how they say it, toil and trouble candy wraps. And with that, it's like this white cookies and cream candy bar but people don't want it for the candy sometimes inside. They want it for the wrapper, or they want it because it's so exclusive, you're not gonna be able to find it anywhere else. And Halloween globally is becoming this sort of like candy phenomenon where you can find really cool exclusives. Like um, another exclusive we've got is Junior Mints, the Halloween edition, or Warheads um, are are making like, basically they've got the theater boxes now in store as well. So every every so often you're, you're finding that yeah, we know the we know the run of the mill candy that's always there in big bulk in the supermarkets. But what we see in our stores, especially um, from east to west of Canada, and now our th- new 30 stores in the US, is that you're seeing that people want the exclusivity. They want something different. They, they don't mind spending that little bit more um, to give people the extra treat instead of the trick.
8: Oh, I love that. That is so much to unpack. I mean, you had me at cookies and cream. for for the KitKat (laughs) bars. And Danny, showcase hashtag, I should say, showcase made me buy it. It's that hashtag has over 80 million views on TikTok. So how do you think things are different this time around? How has the social media influence uh, boosted the popularity of your of your Halloween products?
9: Oh, it's I mean, literally. We we love our customers. We and what they do is they interact with us every day. The first thing our customers are doing is, is they're telling us what they want. Okay, and why showcase is so I think so important to to sort of like the, the consumer market is because we listen to what people want and then we find it. And it, even if it is just so like such a small item, like we had a, a big craze. Uh, last year with Ramanade lemonade, lemonade the Japanese ra- lemonade that has a marble in it and it was it was such such a but it was a toy it was a fidget toy and a candy and people asked us where can we get this where can we get this so we you know what we did we brought a hundred thousand bottles in it's a and for us that's kind of a small amount and we we wanted to service our customers and so then that sort of like goes on to what happens with social media we get so many shares people say showcase made me buy it because what happens is we find it We test, we ask people, say, do you want this? And then they say yes. And if it's a trend, we we are the first people to source it and then bring it right in. And it's part of our algorithm that we work with and our amazing team of buyers and our amazing team of, um, basically, I'm very, very lucky. I work with the 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 brand and the trend experts so what we go out to do is we go to see what's coming next on the wave and that's why we've got all this amazing exclusive candy right now you know because we've been doing the research we've been finding out been listening and then we saw that you know like here's isn't a good one for we've got gummy yummies right now Uh, we've got eyeballs people wanted like edible eyeballs in their in their um
8: their beverages
9: but yeah, they're beverages, they're <laughs> apple bobbing. So we found it, we found it. And if you know what, if we can't even find it, we even make it. That's the, that's the greatest thing about Showcase.
8: Wow, so, okay, obviously, I feel like you've already answered this, but is there anything else that makes the shopping experience from Showcase unique to everyone else?
9: I think what makes Showcase tremendously unique is that you are going to find something, when you shop online or in-store at Showcase, Um, our store experience is brilliant because you can always try before you buy. And I think that's, that's really, you don't see that in big box stores anymore. So if you want to try our back massager, or if you want to try a candy or you want to try the latest fidget toy, we'll open the box up for you and give you a demonstration. That's the, that's the, that's the, that is a guarantee every time we're also very customer focused because really, you know, as I said to you, we listen and then we react to what the market wants and then i think that's really part of our our success because as we're tuned in with people we're always getting what they want and you know it doesn't it cuts the search down other side of it is though as well. When you're searching online, you're always going to find us in the top ten searches for everything. Because yeah, you can find fidget toys on on the blue site or the red site or the pink site. But with the great thing is when you come to your shop at Showcase Online, you're going to find a, such a wide array of different styles of fidget toys, or different styles of um, fitness equipment, or different styles of electronics. But, and then, as I say, like we're talking about Halloween candy right now, we've got so much right now, we're actually giving it away. We're doing a buy three, get one free on all our candy. So everything that I've talked to you about today, from high price to low price, you can actually still get as buy three get one free because that's another great thing about Showcase. We really love rewarding our customers because we know what you want and we let's get you there right, ready for the season.
8: Oh, we love that so much! And Danny, if you could have, if you could recommend three oh. three uh, must tries for this Halloween season, what would you what would you recommend?
9: Okay, uh, let's go for it because we've got a lot of candy going on. So I'm gonna go for. Um, the nerds rope spooky okay it's the spooky halloween nerds rope it's an amazing gummy rope confettied in nerds which is absolutely crunchy sourly fun um i'm also going to go for I, I gotta be um a, i'm a sour patch kid at heart so i've got to go for the sour patch kid zombie edition they're a theater box um that's an exclusive and actually everything i'm telling you about right now is exclusive to showcase you can't find these anywhere else um, and then I would go for. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm I have to say the, uh, I like the ooey gooey. I like the surprise. So we have these great candies. I mentioned them earlier. They're the gummy yummies. So we've got the gummy Halloween theme candy. And you got like, you can trick or treat people with them because they are different Halloween shapes and they are a marshmallow on the outside with these um, really cool flavors in the side. We've got body parts like ears and feet and brains that you can sort of like open up and it's bit, bit gory. But then the funny thing is it's like, it's fun and, and you can sort of like shock your friends with it. And then we also have the, uh, the gummy, yummy eyeballs, uh, and sports balls. They're basically, you can either have eyeballs for Halloween. We can have soccer balls for, uh, for, for the, um, for the coming soccer season.
8: Amazing. Okay. I'm so excited to try all of these things. And Danny, are there any locations in York region where our listeners can visit showcase?
9: Do we? We're all throughout the GTA. We've got over 50 stores in the GTA area from uh, Vaughan, York, Mississauga, Oakville, you name it, we're everywhere. Okay. And the best thing is if you shop online and you want it today, we can do, you can go to shop and you can get same day delivery with all our stores from DoorDash. So if you want that candy right now, get online and get it with DoorDash, get same day delivery.
8: Amazing. Love to hear it. Danny Boom, head of live shopping at Showcase. Happy Halloween.
1: And you know, after Halloween, holiday shopping for the little ones is next. Jim Lang with The Toy Guide.
10: It's October, and before you know it, we're going to be heavy into the holiday shopping season, getting ready for Christmas and the holiday season. And our good friends at Toys R Us Canada are going to help us with the list of top toys for 2022 to talk more about it. Thrilled to be joined by Sonia Lucetta from Toys R Us Canada. Sonia, how are you? Hi, Jim. I'm great. I I find it fascinating these yearly lists by Toys R Us Canada because as someone who grew up in the 70s and 80s thinking about toys then, I thought, oh, kids don't play with those kind of toys again. But I'm thrilled to see that action figures, when I was a kid it was G.I. Joe, but action figures still are a popular toy.
11: Yeah, of course. We've got toys that evolve and grow with kids. And I mean, there's always the favorites that are going to continue to be uh, on the top of everyone's list every year.
10: And arts and crafts, this is what I find uh, interesting. Arts and crafts, the kids always like, you know, the finger painting and crafts. And we talk about the computer and tablet generation, but it's great to see the kids still like arts and crafts.
11: They really do. Um, for example, this year on our list, for the maker on your list, we have the Play-Doh Kitchen Creations Cafe. Now, my kids love to get busy with Play-Doh. Yes. And this new cafe set is an amazing way to do that, right? It creates colorful, make-believe drinks. With a frosty frother topper and molds that you can make um, fancy desserts and pastries with, so great ways to um, make, but a new way to update those.
10: I guess I guess the big picture is on you. Is you see some of the toys in the list: arts and crafts, books, educational toys, games and puzzles, and it's still stuff that kids like. And we assume it's all about computers and tablets and video games with kids, but. Uh, kids like to get their hands dirty. They like to create stuff. And we give them those toys, they'll they'll play with it.
11: Absolutely. I mean, another item on our list is the um, Mario Kart Rainbow Road Hot Wheels track. Ooh. Now, this is perfect for the young gamer on your list. It's a rainbow-colored track that brings a video game off the screen. It's a massive track that stretches eight feet long and has the iconic lights and sounds from the game that players will immediately recognize. So different ways to play with the stuff that they already love.
10: Now, one of the things, the items on the list is interactive pets and toys. So educate me, what exactly are interactive pets and toys?
11: Oh, the Fur Real toys are amazing. So these are actually pets, an electronic pet that has all of the characteristics of a real animal. So for example, they'll purr or their growl, <laughs> they have features that actually look like the real thing.
10: You just don't have to clean up after them.
11: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly.
10: Uh, vehicles, trains, play sets, still always popular with kids, as well as trading cards and collectibles. That's one of those timeless things that has been around forever.
11: They absolutely have. One of the other items on our list this year is the Lego City freight train. This guy is unbelievable. It is a remote-controlled Lego train, and it includes a locomotive that is actually powered up by technology.
10: You know, and I guess that's something like you alluded to earlier, Sonia, is there are new versions of standby toys, but with new technology that make them even better and bigger and better than ever. But they still sort of have that same sort of basis, like kids playing with toy trains and things like that. Kids do enjoy that. They want to play with that. I
11: mean, the fundamentals for kids, they're always the same, right? We always just want to look at new and exciting ways to play. I mean, for us, we just want to spark children's imagination. We really want toys to come to life when they're seen through the eyes of a child. And how do you do that? It's the child that brings the toys to life.
10: Okay, you can get all the details at Toys Are Us, Toys Us, toys and start thinking about toys for the holiday season. Are there some of these toys in the list that um, the top list that surprised you, or pretty much everything you thought would happen, Sonia?
11: Um, there's a really great mix for something for everybody, absolutely, every age group and across all categories. Um, but you know what, apart from the actual top toy list, you can look for our toy book that's landing in mailboxes this month with tons and tons of great gift ideas at all price points that have something for everybody on your list.
10: I think one of the things I enjoy most but when I have to buy from my niece and nephew going through Toys R Us Canada uh, the, the games, the board games, that's something my family, even my kids are in university now. We still like board games, and that's one thing about Toys R Us Canada. They have a great selection of board games.
11: Absolutely, and we saw this in the last couple of years when everybody was, you know, hunkered down and they really just brought to life game nights again, sitting around a table and just pulling out their board games and um, and sharing that as a family experience.
10: And you know what I, I, we find about, it and I'm sure a lot of people that are customers of Toys R Us Canada, is you get so into the board game, you forget about the phone. You forget about the computer and the TV, and you're sort of just hanging out with each other.
11: Isn't that great?
10: <laughs> no, I know. It's so
11: nice to see each other face-to-face again, right? Putting yeah, the kids up the table and away from their
10: screens. I, I mean, I, I, I'm talking a about my toys. What are some of your favorites, Sonia? Oh,
11: I love all the classics. I love a good Monopoly. I love a good Guess Who. Um, guess Who was one of those battles that I used to have as my as a child with my sister. You know, we used to even get two boards going.
10: <laughs> That's fantastic. Toys R Us Canada with their list for new toys for 2022 and their top toys. Get all the details, the, the details at Toys R Us dossier. Some great toys there from everything and anything you could think of. And also, and the one thing I guess we we tend to forget is there's toys specific for toddlers and pre school kids as well as older kids. So basically uh, every age group, including big kids, adult age kids who want toys as well, it's all there.
11: Exactly. Everything is broken down by age group and by category. So really, really easy to navigate and find something exactly what you're looking
10: for. Uh, Sonia, thank you so much. Thank you for all the great toys you provide every year. It's still a, a real treat for my wife and I. We have to buy for family members, and we she's like Jim, put that down. <laughs> but honey, I'm trying it out. <laughs> toys R Us Canada, Sonia Luchetta, Thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Bye bye.
1: If you missed any part of our show, please go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you for listening.